Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from Redwood Pioneer by Betty Sterling. Chapter 7. Tree Splitting Mikey was up the next morning as soon as the mist was light. He got the pail of water from the creek, and he milked Bossy. Pa and Ma and the older children were up working too. There would be work for everyone, building the new cabin and putting in the garden. As soon as they had eaten breakfast, Mikey went with his father and brothers to the redwood tree they had cut. They carried the heavy oak wedges and mallet. Mikey knew what they were, but Pat had two other tools he didn't recognize. What are those things? he asked Pa. A bolting fro and a riving fro, said Pa. They are used to split the timbers into boards and shakes. You see, they are like heavy knife blades with a handle at one end at right angles to the blade. He took one of the fros from Pat and showed Mikey how sharp it was. And see the point of metal at the end of the blade opposite the handle. We push on that point with this club-shaped maul, said Pa. By pushing with the maul and the handle of the fro, we can split the timber easily. Easily, said Pat. It's still work. Pa laughed. I meant it was easier than splitting the timbers with an axe or a pocket knife. When they reached the log, Pa and Pat began bucking it into the lengths they wanted. Mikey helped Tom saw off the branches at the top of the log, and then they pulled them away and piled them. They were heavy to pull. Mikey's arms ached, but he didn't complain. How do you split the log, Pa? Mikey asked. First in half, with the big wedges, Pa said, going right on with his sawing. Then into quarters. Then we take the sharp edge off the quarters and begin to split timbers with the mallet and gluts, the little wedges. Last, we split the timbers into boards with the fro and maul. Good thing Redwood always split straight, Pat puffed from the other end of the eight-foot saw. Lots easier to work with than any other wood, said Pa. When Pa and Pat had cut the first length of log, Pa began to wedge the wood while Pat and Tom went on with the bucking. How long will it take to build the cabin, Pa? Mikey asked. Several weeks, said Pa. He didn't even stop pounding the wedges when he answered. Mikey's ears were ringing from the loud ping noise the mallets made on the wedges. The noise echoed back and forth from the trees and the hills and sounded like a dozen hammers. They worked from early morning until dark every day, pounding with mallets and splitting boards with the fro. By the end of the week, a pile of timbers and boards lay beside the unsplit part of the log. When will we begin to build the cabin, Pa? Mikey asked. Tomorrow you and Pat can level the ground, said Pa, stopping to look at the timbers. I think you can do it in one day. Mikey danced a jig. Save your energy for working, said Pat, pounding another wedge into the log. Pa continued. Then the next day you and Tom and I can begin to put up the timbers for the house and Pat can keep working here on the log. Gotta split lots of boards for the siding, Pat said. And shakes for the roof, said Tom. And planks for the floor, said Pa. It's too cold and wet here for a dirt floor. Mikey struggled to put another long board on the growing pile. It would be wonderful to have a cabin again, but he kind of liked to sleep outdoors in the ground now that he was used to it. The next day, Pat and Mikey didn't go to the log at all. 
Pa marked out the space he wanted cleared and leveled. Pat chopped down two small trees. Mikey dug around them so Pat could chop out as many roots as possible. They didn't want a redwood tree to grow up through the cabin. Then Pat began to chop down the brushes, and Mikey carried all the brush to a big pile. Later he would cut it into firewood and kindling and stack it to dry. They dug out several big rocks. Mikey rolled them off to one side. Pa might want them to put under the foundation timbers. This place doesn't look very level to me, said Pat. He squinted at the cleared space. Mikey tried to squint the way Pat did. He knew the space wasn't level without squinting, though, because he had rolled the rocks. We need a level, said Pat, and we don't have any. Mikey scratched his head. I know what we can do, he said suddenly. Tell me quick, said Pat. Put water in a pan, said Mikey. When we get the ground level, the water will be all the same on the sides when the pan sits on the ground. A good idea, Mikey, Pat exclaimed. Pa couldn't have figured out anything better. We can set the pan on a long board to make it work even better. Mikey beamed. Pat didn't praise him very often. Since you thought of it, said Pat with a wink, I'll let you get the pan in the water. Mikey ran to the tent and got a bread pan from Ma. He poured it half full of water and carried it carefully to the cleared space. He set it down on the ground. The ground sloped so much that the water almost ran out one side. See, said Mikey, it works. Good, said Pat. He looked at all the ground they would have to dig. You know, Mikey, he said, I didn't pack that plow on my back all the way from Boulder for nothing. We're going to level this the easy way. Mikey caught on right away. I'll get one of the donkeys, he offered. Mikey went after a donkey while Pat got the plow and harness. Soon they were plowing the ground that was too high. Then they scraped loose and dirt over the low spots and packed it hard. Then Pat laid a board down and they put the pan of water on it. The water showed that the ground was level. That's done, said Pat. And look how much work we saved. Always remember to use your head, Mikey, and use it before you begin to work. Saves all kinds of trouble. Mikey nodded soberly. He'd remember. The next day, they began to carry the timbers and boards from the log to the cleared space. Ooh, this lumber is heavy. Pat wiped the sweat off his face. It ought to be dried before we use it, said Pa. But we can't wait that long. We need a cabin. All morning, they carried timbers. After dinner, Pat went back to the log to split boards. Mikey helped Pa and Tom. They carefully marked out the corners of the cabin. Then they laid the foundation timbers. The younger children stood nearby to watch. Mikey felt big. He didn't have to stand and watch. He could help with the work. By the end of another week, they had the rough framework of the cabin in place. It looks like a real house now, said Mikey happily. We'll soon move in, said Mary. She was helping now, too. Pa measured the boards, and Tom cut them. Mikey carried them to where they would be used, and Pa nailed them. Mary handed him the square nails. Sean and Liam picked up all the little scraps of wood and used them to build tiny cabins and forts. After supper, Pa and Pat and Tom split shakes for the roof by the light of the fire. Can't waste any time, said Pa. We've got to finish this cabin and get to work cutting bark. Mikey looked up at the cabin, tall and pink in the firelight. He knew it wouldn't be long until they could move in. Chapter 8. Mountain Garden The cabin was almost finished. Pa said that he and Tom would work on it for a while by themselves. We must get the garden in, Pa said. Vegetables don't have long to grow here in the mountains. 
Where will we put the garden? Pat asked. That's what we've got to find out, said Pa. Today, I want you and Ma and Mikey to climb up the hill and see if you can find a place that will get plenty of sun and won't need too much clearing. Pat shouldered his axe. Come on, Mikey, he said. Let's be moving. Ma tied a kerchief over her head while she told Martha what to fix for dinner. I'm ready, she said. Pat led the way almost straight up the mountain. Mikey puffed right along at his heels, and Ma was close behind. Go right to the top, Pat, Ma said. We can look down and pick out a place. Right, said Pat. They were able to climb fast without the little ones to slow them down. But sometimes Pat had to stop and chop the thorny bushes out of their way. That gave Ma a chance to rest. The sun was shining almost straight down on them when they reached the top of the mountain. Aren't you glad the cabin is so far up the mountain, Ma? Mikey asked. Ma looked at him to see what he meant. We don't have to climb so far to get to the top, Mikey explained. Ma and Pat laughed. The air was clear, and all the mist had disappeared. They could see over a hundred ridges and valleys. Ma looked toward the west. We can see the ocean, she exclaimed. Mikey thought she looked pleased. But we can't see Santa Cruz, said Mikey, staring at the faraway bit of dark blue. No, said Pat, that little piece of the ocean that we see must be about halfway between Santa Cruz and Pescadero. Mikey looked admiringly at Pat. How did Pat know all that? Why, he didn't even know there was a town called Pescadero. Ma was turning around on the rock where she stood, trying to spot the best place for the garden. It should be on a south slope, she said. Why? Mikey asked. The south slope gets the most sunshine, said Pat. Which way is south? Mikey asked. That's west towards the ocean, so this way must be south. He pointed with his left hand while he faced toward the west. That's right, said Pat. They walked around a bit on the mountain top. The ground was rocky here. There were pine needles with funny knobby cones and long needles. Mikey picked up two of the dried cones to take to Liam and Sean. Pat said he'd take one to Mary. They soon picked out a good garden spot that wouldn't need too much clearing. It was on a south slope, but the round wasn't steep nor rocky. Couldn't ask for a better place, said Pat. I wish it could be closer to the cabin, said Ma. It's a hard climb. I'll build a path, Pat assured her. That's easier than clearing Redwood Forest off closer to the cabin. All right, then, said Ma. This will do. When can we begin clearing the ground, asked Mikey. Today, said Pat. We'll go back to the camp right now and get a bite to eat. I hope so, Mikey interrupted. I'm empty. I was afraid you'd say we'd start working without anything to eat. Pat laughed. All you think about is your stomach, Mikey. Now, Pat, said Ma softly, I don't think you forget your meals very often either. Then it was Mikey's turn to laugh. Anyway, said Pat, after we eat, Mikey and I will come back with a couple of axes and begin clearing. In a few days, we can plant the seed, I reckon. Pat marked the trail down the hill by cutting slashes in the barks of the tree every few yards. Going down the hill didn't take as long as going up. That afternoon, Pat and Mikey took Mary back with them to the garden space. Pat chopped down the few trees that were in the way, and Mikey chopped the bushes. He hadn't used an axe much for chopping down the shrubs, so he was slow and careful. Mary piled the brush at the edge of the garden land. We'll drive in stakes and make a fence with the brush, said Pat. I hope that will keep away the deer. If it doesn't, he stopped and grinned at Mikey. Mikey wondered what Pat was thinking of. We'll let Mikey sleep up here at night to scare away the deer, Pat finished. 
Mikey blushed under his freckles. He didn't like to be teased about the way he slept with his head under the covers so the deer wouldn't scare him. When the sun began to set, Pat put his axe over his shoulder. Come on, you two, he said. We want to be down to the camp by dark. Mary didn't need to be told twice. She dropped the load of brush she was pulling and darted after Pat. Mikey gave one last swing at the bush he was chopping and then followed. A few days later, Pat and Mikey and Mary had finished clearing the garden space. They built a brush fence around the garden. That should keep out the deer until the vegetables are big, said Pat. Then maybe we'll have time to build a better fence. The next day, Mikey led one of the donkeys up to the garden, and Pat carried the plow. Won't it be nice to have fresh corn and cabbage and new potatoes again, asked Mikey. I'm getting tired of venison and old potatoes. Mmm, agreed Pat. Back and forth across the slope, they plowed the moist black ground. Why don't you plow up and down, Pat? Mikey asked. Makes the ground wash away when the rains come, said Pat. We have to be careful because there is so much rain here. We don't want the soil to wash away to the river and the ocean, said Mikey. We work too hard getting it cleared. Pat nodded and kept on plowing back and forth. Wee! exclaimed Mikey. The garden really looks big now that it's plowed. Ma came up to the garden with them when they had it raked and ready to plant. Mikey carried the hoe and rake, Ma had the seeds, and Pat had the potatoes. Sure, and it takes a lot of potatoes for our family, said Ma. I hope there's enough eyes on these potatoes to plant what we need. I'm sure the sack weighs as much as a cow, said Pat, when they got to the garden. You've done a good job, boys, said Ma, looking over the smooth black ground. Pa will be right proud of you. Mikey grinned, and Pat looked pleased, too. Mikey hoped Pa would come up soon and see the garden. Mikey sat down and sorted the little bags of seed. Ma had written little slips of paper with the names of the seeds and put them in each bag when she collected the seed the summer before. Mikey read them off. Turnips, radishes, cabbages, parsnips, peas, beans, greens, onions, carrots. Let's plant lots of carrots, Ma. You're my carrot top for sure, said Ma. He looks more like a turnip or a parsnip to me, Pat, said Pat, laughing. You're a towhead, too, declared Mikey. Anyway, there's nobody in our family with red hair, only black and white. That's right, Mikey, said Ma. She was busily cutting the potatoes into sections so Pat could plant the eyes. We'll put the corn at the top of the slope, said Pat. Mikey looked up with a question mark on his face. Pat laughed. I never saw such a question bug, he said. Mikey has to know why I do everything. That's the way a boy learns, said Ma. Of course, said Pat. You see, Mikey, the corn grows tall, and we don't want it to shade the other vegetables. The sun is always a little bit to the south, even when it is east or west. That makes the shadows go north. I see, said Mikey. So all the other vegetables will be on the south side of the corn. Bright boy, said Pat. You catch on fast. After Pat had planted the long rows of corn, he planted the potato eyes and the hills of squash, pumpkins, and melons, and made the rows for the other vegetables. The sun was hot as they worked. Mikey dropped the seeds into the rows as Pat made them, and Ma and Pat covered the seeds carefully. It's good growing weather, said Ma, fanning herself with her sunbonnet. If it keeps up, we'll have radishes to eat in a couple or three weeks, said Pat. Goody, said Mikey. I'd like some radishes with the stew and wild greens. I can hardly wait until the garden grows up. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Visit our website at www.enchantedlibrary.net to see our past books or to connect with us on Facebook. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.